0: I apologize. Uh, There is no John Keating, no Larry Murphy. It's just Tim McAuliffe and Jesse Rubinoff. Though, one, I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. And two, Larry Murphy went to the same high school I did. Really? Yes, right on the Don Mills Scarborough border in the city of Toronto. Larry Murphy, Tim McAuliffe, both, I don't know if he graduated because I think he went on to play junior hockey, and those guys don't end up going to uh, high school at the same high school for very long. Mm, That makes sense. But Larry Murphy, Tim McAuliffe, Senator O'Connor College School. Some of the great alumni. <laughs> yes. And Maestro Fresh West. Yes. Got it, goodness yeah. since you understood. Welcome to this special Monday Decorated. edition of Tim and Friends. I didn't see Darren McCarty or Claude Lemieux or Chris Draper out there. Like no. It seemed like kind of, a different, kind of a different game. It was all McKinnon and McCarr. We'll get you caught up to date on everything in the sporting world again. Rubinoff, McAuliffe, with some afternoon delights to bring your way over the next, I don't know, like 84 or so minutes of what we hope is edutainment. It is Martin Luther King Day south of the border, and they have given us the gift of games this afternoon. Five in the NHL before 4 p.m. Eastern, including the game that you just saw. Seven in the NBA before 4 p.m. Eastern, including the Raptors at the Mecca in New York. We will have highlights from all of the important-ish and Jim Rutherford met with the media in Vancouver today, and it was on like Donkey Kong. Am I, am, I, am I wrong on this? No. Like, Gino Ogic, Bruce Boudreaux, Bo Horvat, Rick Tockett, Tanner Pearson, Rutherford's own performance were all on the table at this presser earlier today. Yeah. Am I wrong? No, that's exactly right. It, it, we're going to break down Brought all of that. Brought the heat. And, yeah, he brought the heat, and, and to be honest, so did the media. Uh, we'll examine it all. We'll take it to Hockey Central. Rogers, Monday Night Hockey featuring the Sens and the Blues coming your way, as mentioned, about uh, 84 minutes from now. But first, some highlights as we kick things off. First things first, Jesse Rubinoff with the action. So what's on tap? Stubby clap. Nice. Old
1: favorite. <laughs> first things first.
0: All right, let's bring the heat
2: here. As you mentioned, it's a busy afternoon in sports on this holiday Monday south of the border, five day games in the NHL today, including the league's best team, the Boston Bruins, hosting the suddenly red-hot Philadelphia Flyers. Don't know who saw that one coming, but why don't we show you some highlights. David Krejci playing in in his 1,000th career game, all with Boston. Been there a long time. Very good player. He was pretty good today, too. Pretty good today, too. After his first shift, to see some love from the crowd. And then later in the first, Flyers can't clear the zone. Krejci across for Pavel Zaka, Throws it in front for David Pasternak. That's his ninth goal of his last six games. One zip Bruins. Still in the first. Krejci tees up Zaka. It's a long way out, but they get it done. You heard the ping. Off-ironed and in. Second assist of the period for Krejci. 2-0 Boston. Second period, now 3-0 Bruins. Krejci to Zaka. The flex pass Carter Hart is second in the game, Krejci's third assist, four zip Bs. Later in the period, Nick Foligno and Travis Konechny come together.
3: Philadelphia number 11 has two minutes for roughing. <laughs> You're telling me I
4: should just go f- around his face. <laughs>
5: 17, 17
4: to Boston has two
2: minutes for cross-cutting. Not happy with a minor penalty is Nick Foligno. Oh.
0: But it's true, that's real life, no? Yeah, yeah
2: that is real life.
0: Uh, Like, if I'm going to get two for cross-checking, I might as well just punch him in the face. Yes. Yes. So we know how you played
2: hockey back (laughs) in the day, man. (laughs) Jeremy Swayman, 29 saves, first shutout of the season. Bruins win 6-0.
0: Like, there is no doubt on planet Earth that the Boston Bruins are the best team in hockey right now. I mean, Jeremy Swayman, Allmark, doesn't matter who's in net. I mean, David, Krejci's got 1,000 games. Pasternak's got 35 goals now. He had mm-hmm. two today to get him to 35. He's just two back of Connor McDavid for the league. Like, where is the weakness on – Nick Foligno's a bleeping fourth liner on this team. He's getting paid over $3 million. The numbers at home, 21-1-3 and three on the year at home. I repeat, 21, one loss in regulation, three of those overtime thingies. They're 34-5-4 and four on the season and 13 points up on the Toronto Maple Leafs with the game in that's hand ridiculous. through 43 games. Like, it is unbelievable what they are doing right now. Uh, so you saw the crowd
2: giving a kudos to Krejci and watching the game on Saturday against the Leafs, it made me think, like, why are they so dominant? Like, they're dominant everywhere, but why are they so specifically dominant at home? And that's a pretty good crowd. And you heard Mitch Marner after the game, so the crowd gets in. It was a playoff-like atmosphere on Saturday. And I feel mm-hmm. like of all the teams in the league, that's one of the better crowds. And I feel like it helps them. Like, I've been to a, a playoff game there. I, I've been in that in, environment. Mm-hmm. And it, so gets, it gets real loud. You have, you have I would have assumed so. Yeah, it gets juicy, yeah. yeah. So it, it's just, I feel like they are able to feed off the energy of the crowd. And they're good, too. So you put all that together, and it's just utter dominance. I'm not sure I saw
0: this coming. But. Is that why the Toronto Maple Leafs dress Wayne Simmons in your mind? Because they need to find a way to counter the, the energy. Juice? Yeah. In the building? Yeah,
2: I do. I do. Yeah. Because there's something about, yeah, maybe they're not the big bad Bruins of old, but there is still something there. And I think a lot of it has to do with the atmosphere that you're playing in. Yeah,
0: but also, how many guys on their team do they, do they have that play with some sort of of sandpaper grit and or a little more than that as you can see from Nick Foligno yeah. and by the way uh, someone give Wayne Simmons just a bump in the daily pay hey you're not going to play for us very much but when you play for us can you come in and fight Nick Felino like in old Boston old-school enforcer yeah, it's but it's not just old school enforcer like this is a guy who's done his duty in the league mm-hmm. like enforces. That's the only reason why they were in the league like Wayne Simmons made his way into the league because he was a really good player scored a lot. Yeah. Yeah yep. scored a lot. And now you're asking him like I know a lot of dudes that I've talked to that would tell the team to go kick rocks mm-hmm. like you don't want me to play ever but you want me to go into Boston and fight a dude. That's my side. Note. Yeah. No, I think
4: that's a really you know what good I'm point. saying. Yeah. Like
0: that's a lot to ask of a guy and he went in there and did it side note. He went in there and did it because the Boston Bruins. I, I listened to Real Kipper and Bourne the way in, and they were talking about whether or not the Leafs need to add that guy that can play on those lines. And all I could think of was Nick Foligno was brought to Toronto to do that, mm-hmm. was injured, couldn't do that. They gave up on it, and now I wonder like, the Bruins have a little bit of everything. I don't know how the Leafs beat them as currently currently constituted. Really? Yeah. So. The game on Saturday was close,
2: though. Like, it wasn't like they got blown out, and a lot or of it was shoes se- and hand grenades, self- my friend. In- no, it was self-inflicted wounds. I mean, they didn't. Yeah. Some bad calls. A lot, some bad calls. Some really bad turnovers that yep. obviously cost them. But you think after watching that game that they don't match up with the Bruins physically, and over the course of a seven-game series, would still obviously they'll be in tough, but they probably don't have enough to to overtake them.
0: I, I thought that there was a playoff-like atmosphere. I thought the Leafs did pretty well. I thought that it was a pretty good matchup, and I also thought that they probably don't beat him in a seven game series. That's going to be a lot to ask for anybody. uh, It it will be. It will be. But it's also the difference between good and great. Yeah. And that's what the Leafs are trying to be. Now, I get it. I get it. Every Leaf fan out there is okay if they make it through one round. And if they make it through one round, then they'll get a little bit longer on the leash. And to be honest with you, I think Dubis has earned a little bit longer on the leash. The goalies have worked out pretty Mm -hmm. well. Listen, It'll all be determined by the first round and how pissed off the fans are. But once again, they've built enough. Tough division, going to be tough, Matt. I mean, look at it now. They're four points up on Tampa, and the Lightning have three games in hand. Yeah. Like, here comes Tampa once again. They're in the. Remember when we said this, and Tampa was seventh, and we were talking about whether or not they should go back to the one versus eight, and people were like, well, but here comes Tampa again, yeah. right? It's unbelievable. <laughs> How do they keep doing it? I just, the, the, the way that this breaks down, the Leafs are going to have to be really good. They have some cap space, and I wonder what they spend it on. And I, I think they should spend it on a little bit of jam. And if they can find the guy that can either play regularly with mm-hmm. the jam, mm-hmm. then that could help them in a seven-game series against the Boston Bruins. You just saw smack the snot out of another competitor in the, in the Philadelphia Flyers earlier today. Yeah. And, I'm not going to say handle the Maple Leafs, but beat the Maple Leafs. We talked about it, whether it should be a forward or a defenseman last week.
2: Uh, there are options out there. Like, that, you, maybe you bring Luke yeah. Shen back for a cup of coffee. He's a big boy,
0: loves throwing the body around. Yeah, so it's a something lot like that. But that's like, so the, the criticism I've had in the past, outside of Nick Foligno, who was hurt and never could play that role, was every piece of grit the Leafs got was a bottom six guy who sees the ice 10 minutes a game. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. That's not Marchand mm-hmm. Right? Like, that's not, that's not DeBrusque even. Right? Yeah. Like, they're playing significant minutes. And to me, if you're going to bring a guy like that in, either go bottom of the barrel, scrape it, you know, like a million dollar a year player mm-hmm. and get somebody else, or get a top six slash top four defenseman who can actually play and have people looking around on the ice. <laughs> Best of luck to Kyle Dubas, because that is not going
2: to be easy to find.
0: million. By the way, some injury updates for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Nick Robertson, season-ending shoulder surgery. So if you're looking for that guy, here are a couple guys that maybe could have gone somewhere else to get that guy. Um, Now, if you're making that deal, maybe you could have the patience on a six-month wait for Nick Robertson, but you also would have liked to have seen him maybe dominate with the Marlies. The Marlies playing... Pretty good hockey right
2: now. Tough injury history for Nick Robertson, too, which is something I'm sure GMs would keep in mind. Okay, I mentioned Luke Shen. Why don't we talk about the Canucks? Because Canucks president Jim Rutherford met with the media today following the team's announcement of an investigation into the handling of Tanner Pearson's season-ending hand injury. Rutherford said he wanted to look into the matter after comments made by Quinn Hughes last week saying the injury was not handled properly, but he said he spoke with everyone involved and couldn't find anyone to whom... Pearson expressed concern. During the news conference today, Rutherford touched on a range, a wide range, of other topics after what's been a very difficult season for well, the he Vancouver He hit everything. Gnox. He hit everything.
3: Everything. I'm disappointed in, in the job I've done to this point. You know, when I came here, I knew it was going to be a big challenge. And I thought, you know, we're going to have to do minor surgery. Well, to answer your question, have I changed my position? Yeah. We have to do major surgery. And between now and the start of next season, we're gonna have to make some changes. Some won't be very popular, some will be popular, but we're gonna have to really do some things that I didn't think we would normally have to do when I first got here. We're halfway through this season, and we're stuck with contracts that we can't move until we move those out, or until they expire, it's gonna be hard to make those changes. Boudreaux, um, what's his future? There's reports out there that you guys have had conversations with Rick Tockett already, and that it's just a matter of time in Bruce's case. It feels like he's in a real challenging position. Yeah, well, we all are. And, uh, you know, there's lots of speculation out there. Bruce is our coach now, okay? we. I believe have taken our best shot and the contract that we have on the table for Bo right now I think is a fair contract for what he's done up until this year but it's certainly under market value for what he's done this year so we're you know we're in a pickle here oh that's that's (laughs) one way to put it Couple
0: of chuckles
2: from uh, two of us. Where is the pickle? Different, different chuckles per sixty meter on this.
0: It's uh, usually
2: the on ice or on field action that brings us chuckles per sixty. Mm-hmm. But two of us giggling. Uh, lost unpack. Anything stand out to you specifically? You know
0: what was crazy was people from Vancouver that reached out to me, or people from the or Mainland that yeah. are, are kind of close to this team, pointed out and said, "I wanted to hear more on Gino Ogic today." Right. And it was such an interesting dichotomy to hear. Jim Rutherford go up there and lay what was a, a humdinger of a press conference, to say the least, and not understand the absolute value of a guy like Gino Ogic to that franchise and that team. And people just wanted more from him mm-hmm. on Gino Ogic. And I, for me, it was just like there was so much to tackle here, and I wonder if PR and ownership and the leadership group sat down and talked about a bunch of things and kind of sort of forgot about Gino, which a lot of people reached out to me and said, I I know they talked about him off the top. Mm -hmm. I wanted to hear more about what he meant to the the city, what he meant to the franchise. And then just to, to peel the onion back even more, it felt like that was Francesco Aquilini again. Like, I don't know how many times I have told you that it's quite obvious that Jim Rutherford was hired not to rebuild mm-hmm. but to try and figure this out on the fly and if there was any doubt in your mind whatsoever on what they were doing or attempting to do with this franchise once again jim rutherford told you literally we're not here to rebuild we're going to try to retool and i know that's jim Ruther- jim rutherford's history i also know that that's what ownership wants because they don't want to deal with the re- and to be honest with you, you saw some of those names. Mm-hmm. There is some talent on this team. It just it strikes me that they still don't have a real finger on the pulse of their fan base. Yes, which is a part of this equation that makes that fan base more upset than maybe they could or should be.
2: I think you just hit the nail on the head. I mean, I'm going through the Twitter comments and the Instagram comments and all that after the press conference. And it's all the same stuff that ownership doesn't understand. Why are they trying to retool? Why is it going to be another 10 years before they're good again? People just don't understand. And for I don't believe,
0: too, which is even worse. Yeah,
2: for, for ownership just to not have, like, who's in their ear? Who's in Francesco Aquilini's ear telling him that that's happening? Or is he just... Is he ignoring it? Like, what is happening to make him not understand what yeah. the fan base wants?
0: Yeah, If only there was, like, a, a local guy who maybe had some experience in business, experience in the <laughs> National Hockey League, who kind of lived local, lived the area, and was really respected by the fan base that could kind of get it. Oh, wait. They had that guy. Yeah. His name was Trevor Linden. Yes. He walked away.
2: Yeah, it's just tough. They're going to have to figure something out because it's... Toxic, basically. Franchise in Flux is a good headline for Vancouver Canucks at the moment. Yeah,
0: and, and obviously in a tough spot for a bunch of different people, and for whatever reason, as Elliot Friedman and Jeff Merrick talked about in 32 Thoughts in the weekend, uh, Rick Tockett is going to be the next head coach, and it's only a matter of time, and it just seems like that's bad mojo to keep Bruce Boudreaux there terrible. throughout it all. We're going to have a lot more. Randy Janna is going to join us, yeah. and we will discuss all of what we saw and heard and uh, kind of relive what Gino Ojik meant to the franchise, the area, and the Lower Mainland, and beyond when it comes to it. a lot of First Nations kids.
2: Okay, last week we were talking a lot about uh, Wild Card Weekend and how they now call it Super Wild Card Weekend. Yes. I guess now we know why. <laughs> yes, that's right? true. Yeah, very good. It wraps, oh, up, boy, Jesse. wraps up tonight as the Bucks host the Cowboys, and it was a wild, super wild weekend of football, including a historic comeback in all five games going over the total. Who had the best weekend? Who had the worst weekend? Plenty of options at your disposal here.
0: Who had the best weekend? Who had the worst weekend? Yeah. You want me to answer those at the same time, or do you want to? Do, should we separate those? I'll go best weekend first. Yeah. Okay. Yeah.
2: Glass half full.
0: Uh, Daniel Jones. Oh, he was unreal. Brian Dable, Daniel Jones together were unreal. Like Brian Dable basically had the same team Joe Judge had, mm-hmm. where he was running. A uh, quarterback sneaks with Daniel Jones and three players behind him yeah. late on third down yeah. and turn that into a team that looked really good and a quarterback that looked even better oh, yeah. in going into Minnesota and handing it to Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. So I think the combination of Daniel Jones, Brian Dable, I mean, Trevor Lawrence was also a guy on my list, but I think those two are the top of my list. Is that Would that be wrong?
2: No, no. I was just stunned by the Giants and and frankly, Daniel Jones, those first two drives, like the precision and just the command of the line of scrimmage that, I mean, you watch them all season, but you always think in the back of your mind, something's going to go wrong. You know, there's players that you think you you know them, but you know at the end of the day, like maybe like a Kirk Cousins, you know at the end of the day, something's going to go wrong. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to steal your thunder if you're going to say he had one of the worst weekends. But you know that something's going to go wrong. And with Daniel Jones, I had that feeling. But after watching that game, like, how can you not be a believer? He shredded the Vikings, basically, from the get-go. So yeah, I, I mean, we'll I see
0: against a team. Like, listen. tougher for test. I, I, yeah. They should be based on their record. And you yeah. are what you said. Um, Bill Parcells, you are what your record says you yeah. are. I don't know if I believe that with yeah. the Minnesota Vikings. And I don't know if I believe that with Kirk Cousins. Uh, but in the end, they they. Took care of the team that was in front of them mm-hmm. on the road. That was a division winner. Good for them. I'd throw Trevor Lawrence into that mix, and I'd throw Lamar Jackson into the winners category. Uh, by sitting out, I think Lamar Jackson may have won a little bit, though he said something different on IG today, where it looks like he feels some sort of ways about his relationship with the Baltimore Ravens. Either that's uh, getting Steve Biscotti, the owner, <laughs> to pony up, or he's love, peace, and hair grease. Yes.
2: Okay. So who had the worst weekend?
0: I got a list of that. <laughs> Kirk Cousins is one of them. Yeah, that's obvious. Joe Judge is another one. Yeah, naturally. Uh, Vikings. Period. Vikings. Twitter. Did you did you see the tweet from the New York Giants? I, I know social media is what social media is, but uh, the the Vikings went back to you don't we don't have the tweet? Are you looking no, for I, it? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the Vikings went back to a tweet where the Giants. Uh, were basically dunking on them. Or, excuse me, the Giants went back to a Vikings tweet where they were dunking on them. Long story short, I've screwed this up because we don't have the tweet. No, it's no, okay. no, no, no. Uh, no, no. Keep
2: what going. do you mean, no, no, no? Keep going. I don't have any more to say. i got to show the tweets. you got to you got to go with the rest <laughs> of your losers, and I'll find it.
0: Uh, Brandon Staley is my biggest loser, and that's where I was going to end, was Brandon Staley. And reports are indicating that he may not be fired uh, by the Chargers who Chargered once again. And I can't comprehend... How they can keep Brandon Staley after a lot of people suggested he should have been gone before this year and they blow a 27 to nothing lead and don't tell me something about the defense because you can waste time with your offense too. And they were unable to waste time with their offense. I think Brandon Staley should be done. Full credit to the Jaguars for coming back from 27 to nothing down. But let's be honest. You win the giveaway takeaway 5 nothing. You win the game. In fact, the Chargers are the first team in NFL history to lose a game with a plus five turnover ratio. And after going up 27 to nothing, I know people are saying defense. I know our Twitter showed a picture of a Cheeto as the door lock on the Chargers' defense. (laughs) But after going up 27 to nothing, the Chargers called 25 pass plays and eight run plays. It's simply not good enough. Mm-hmm. It's not good enough, mm-hmm. and that's how you win games. You grind them out when you need to grind them out. And the Chargers just couldn't do that, and that's why, for me, Brandon Staley, one should be out, and two should be your loser of the week.
2: Oh, that was just painful to watch. Even if you're just a bystander, okay, I got the tweet. Uh, Minnesota Vikings. Here they're December 26, 2022. Start spreading the news, and then the response from the New York Giants. Skull, boom. Capital L. Very good. Well done, New York Giants social team. Uh, but yeah, watching the Chargers was a mess. Tough, tough situation.
0: Skull. Yeah. Thanks for getting the tweet. No problem. Got you. P- appreciate it. Yeah, a little late. but Tough Google and we had to nah, it, it, we, got quick it. We, we got it. All right. Uh, Let's go to basketball. You want to? Yeah, just finished as a matter of fact, uh, so I want to welcome those who may be watching Did the Toronto win? Raptors and the New York Knicks. Raptors in New York to take on the Knickerbockers this afternoon. Now, the Raptors beginning a stretch of 10 of their next 12 games on the road, sporting an East Worst five wins away from home all year long. Of course, all of that lends fuel to the fire that is the rumors that continue to swirl around the team ahead of next month's trade deadline, So could the Raptors maybe sort of keep the warm streak going. Pascal Siakam 52 last time mm. the Raptors were at MSG. And in the first quarter it's Freddie Van Vliet. Blocks we go the other way. OG Ananobi. Nice dish to Pascal Siakam lays it in later in the first. More from the Raptors D creating O. Oh, Scotty Barnes blocks Jalen Brunson. Van Vliet. Hustle saves a loose ball Gary Trent Jr. Bang! Third triple of the quarter. Second quarter Siakam dropping it off for Barnes takes it to the rim. Strong. Scotty got another game. Knicks have an answer and it is the Canadian RJ Barrett goes behind the back finishing with the left hand because he is left handed. <laughs> Moments later Brunson knocks down the fadeaway. Caps a 19-6 New York run. They let it by three at halftime. Fourth quarter, Julius Randle putting up some big numbers. Turns it over, though. Toronto goes the other way. Siakam makes it a five-point game. Just over two to play. Raptors still down five. Shot clock winding down. Freddie Van Vliet. The much-criticized Freddie Van Vliet with a big three. Raptors' next possession. Freddie Van Vliet. To quote Mike Breen, bang, not a bad. No, not a bad, I liked it. After scoring just three points on Saturday. Getting it done on Monday, under 20 seconds to go. Raptors down one, Van Vliet misses the three, Barnes grabs the rebound, he's fouled, makes both free throws, so Toronto by one, now up two dying seconds, RJ. Fitzgerald, Barrett brings it up. Barrett on the drive, goes inside! I didn't need the Mike Breen impression we go. got the Mike Breen <laughs> ties the game at 110 over Scotty Barnes so we need overtime and in the extra train. free basketball Barnes Pascal another nice dunk in traffic plus the foul finish with 20 dying seconds of the game Raptors up to Precious Achua misses Brunson's rebound he will heave from three and the win. And it does not go. Raptors win. Mm. Raptors win 123-121 in overtime. Just their sixth, Jesse, sixth road win of the
2: season. Depending on who you talk to, that's a good thing or a bad thing that they win the game. And RJ was good. At least he's Canadian. Right? Yeah. That's this big. Uh, So I saw you on the weekend that you tweeted... The more that you think about the Raptors' situation, the more you realize that Masai will not put up with their situation. Does today change that in any way for you?
0: Nah, nah. The Raptors are four games back in the Knicks for sixth in the East. They would have to go around 26-12 and 12 to keep pace with the New York Knicks for a real playoff mm. spot. After today, as I mentioned, they have a grand total of six road wins, and they play 23 of 39 on the road, including today, to close it. Like, it's not how they get this done at the deadline, but how many guys go on this deadline. Don't believe me? How about asking C.J. McCollum? If you ever watch on Tuesdays with Kipper we do this thing called smoke or fire because I firmly believe in the idea that if you smell smoke you have to investigate if there is indeed fire Mm -hmm. does it always mean that there is fire nah but you gotta do the due diligence on these type of things Jesse so I'm gonna give you a little smoke from CJ you can use your critical thinking to figure it out I mean you Jesse Rubinoff and you Canada viewers friends I do know that Raptors fans are discussing it now. C.J. McCollum isn't just your regular old NBA player. He has a degree in journalism and a podcast where he said the following:
6: "I think in terms of what they need or what they're lacking, something's going to happen. I don't know what. There's rumblings about certain players on the team not being happy and due to tampering. I can't speak to that, but right. I think they're going to they're going to move someone." at some point. I don't know what type of picks they have lined up but something needs to change because they're way too talented um, to be struggling the way they've been struggling throughout the season. Now
0: you can speculate on who he knows on the team. We all know that he was a teammate of Gary Trent Jr. But that's the easiest piece of this pie. Is, is there more to this because we also saw Scotty Barnes get into it with that young right like this isn't breaking news. I feel like some of Raptors Twitter is treating it like breaking news.
2: Yeah, I also don't know why he would make that up. But Well, I mean, he does have a podcast that needs to get listens. But I also think he's a pretty professional person. He was voted the NBA president of the NBA Players Association. So I don't know why he'd make
0: it up. So I I think there's definitely some smoke there. Yeah, like we've already seen it. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know why Raptors... Twitter is acting like this is breaking news. Like, no, I just... I just we, we know what's going on. To hear other NBA players yeah. talk about it is kind of sort of different, but when other NBA yes. players have a podcast, yes. then they're going to talk about yeah. things like this. That, that's where I think the guy who has the podcast jumps in A hundred percent.
2: It's because right. the, the fact that it's an NBA player telling us that what we saw, like it's, a, it's actually a manifestation of that, right. then
0: has credence to it. Okay, so door number two... Is Nick Nurse being tired? Mm. And I know this could be a one off, I know this could be a relationship with a reporter, it could be anything, but that's why we're putting it out there for you to decide. This is from the weekend. Nick Nurse, you tell me if this is smoke or fire.
3: You talked about inconsistency
6: of effort. Versus, um, what? what do you attribute that to?
1: Um, I don't know. It's a good question.
4: I don't really have an answer for you.
6: I think if you talk to these guys, they would all tell you that they're... How, how do you evaluate that? These guys would all say, I assume, that they're giving it 100% every time they're on the court. How do you decide if, if that's true?
0: Well, we've got a bunch of uh, accountability factors that we, that we you know look at and take into consideration,
1: but even some of those you can score very high on, I think, and not have the greatest energy in the world. I think I think the energy uh, vibe is certainly
4: off. No doubt about it.
0: When we're talking about effort, is it?
1: Come on,
4: man. No more effort. No more effort questions.
0: <laughs> so Nick Nurse tired too.
2: Yeah, Do you, does part of you understand that. Just like it's got to be exhausting having to answer questions every day of the same thing.
0: But yeah, I th- I think it's. I think what you're walking there is very like yes. And a lot of the fan base makes a lot of, oh, I got, the guy's got to answer. They know that. Yeah, it is part of the job. They absolutely yeah. positively know that. They get training in that. They, they listen to PR for that. They, like, there's a reason why an NBA head coach is an NBA head coach, and part of it is because they can handle things like that. Mm-hmm. Nick Nurse can handle things like that. So I get what you're saying, but also you understand the frustration totally. around the team when they're not winning, and what seems to be an obvious kind of sort of gulf between what they want to be and what they actually are. Yes, great way to describe it. All right, we've got to take a break. Still to come, Donovan Bennett in studio for the last few segments, which includes the plays of the week. Adam Rank helps us break down an amazing wildcard weekend in the NFL playoffs. Plus, after the break, we get back to the hockey talk, including the mess in Vancouver, as Randy Janda will join us. Going to 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 Pacific, tim and friends busy monday so let's keep it going kids
6: cook puts it down patterson's kick is up
5: the field goal is good the jaguars have won it they have come back from 27 nothing to win the game Holy with the cross crease. Scott score, Bruce fired it. And Boston regains the lead.
3: Miranda against McConnell. Pick and roll. Moran.
5: now, time for
6: Real Sports Talk with Tim McAuliffe and friends of the show.
0: Muchas gracias Sheepdogs back here, Tim and Friends, full hour, late start for us after the Wings and the Avs, Colorado looking like they're getting their groove back, at least offensively. We've got Donovan Bennett, Plays of the Week, Adam Rank all coming your way this hour, plus Randy Janda from Vancouver in mere moments from now, but let's get you caught up to date on what you'll see tonight on the network. Flames finishing up their five-game roadie in Nashville tonight. You can see it Sportsnet one across the country. Flames have taken six out of a possible eight points so far on the trip after holding on. For a six-five win in Dallas, up six-one in that game. Uh, Dan Vladar has been hot for the Flames, but to go back to Jacob Markstrom in net tonight. We'll check in with Ryan Leslie from Nashville in game time before the end of this show. Meantime, Sens taking on the Blues. This one national as a part of Rogers Monday Night Hockey. Sens were embarrassed 7 0 by the Avs last time out. So they will be looking for a response tonight. And some good news on the injury front. Josh Norris expected to return this week. He's been out since October with a shoulder injury. Don't forget how big he was for this squad last year. And the Canucks ended their road trip, of course, the only win of the road trip in carolina but the issues around the team continue to bubble to the surface today president jim rutherford met with the media in a wide-ranging press conference to discuss the handling of the tanner pearson injury bo Horvat's future the direction of the team bruce boudreau
3: there was a lot today. go um, what's his future there's reports out there that you guys have had conversations with rick talkett already and that it's just a matter of time In Bruce's case, it feels like he's in a real challenging position. Yeah, well, we all are. And, uh, you know, there's lots of speculation out there. Bruce is our coach now. That might have been our favorite of a lot of clips that
0: we could have played on today's show. Here to help us sort through all of it is one of the game analysts on Sportsnet 650 in Vancouver, host of Hockey Night in Punjabi, friend of the show, Randy Janda, joins us from Vancouver. Welcome back,
6: homie. Thank you for jumping on. Awesome to be on with you. Uh, Never a dull moment in Vancouver, huh?
0: Oh my goodness. Uh, If you ever wondered what Jim Rutherford was thinking, wonder no more, I mean, like we can jump into each of the many topics that he covered today. But for you, what was the big takeaway?
6: I think a couple of big takeaways, but the big one was the honesty, right? Generally, you have a conversation with the president of hockey operations, uh, a GM, and you're right, Jim Rutherford does have a a reputation of being a straight shooter. But when a team is in a situation like this, when they're coming back from a road trip and they won one game, an impressive win, but still nonetheless, really uh, a team in turmoil in in many fronts where the coach is being, there's a speculator whether he's going to be, Uh, the coach in a couple of weeks, uh, whether there's reports by Jeff Merrick and Elliot Friedman on uh, Rick Tockett, the fact that Jim Rutherford was pretty much an open book when it came to conversation around the coach to a certain degree, but even the roster and looking at the direction of this team. Yeah. The fans want to
0: rebuild. And he said, again, retool. I've been saying since the summer, it seems obvious, um, not why Rutherford got the job, but Frankie Aquilini brought him to change on the fly, and if that wasn't evident before, that's evident now,
6: right? Absolutely, and I think there was a quote in that press conference where he said, "I came in thinking this would be minor surgery. Now, understanding this is going to require major surgery." And you start at looking at those contracts on the books that the Canucks have. Whether it's the Tyler Myers deal, you start looking towards you know the Oliver ekman Larson deal was a another contract that Jim Benning tr- uh, traded for, and Jim Benning's no longer there. But Patrick Alvin, Jim Rutherford. Are having to deal with it. So, even though maybe turning around quickly could have been a part of the plan, those contracts and with the cap not shooting up the way that maybe some in the hockey world expected, this has proven to be a challenge. And Jim Rutherford, you know, in that regard, sounded a bit defeated in, yeah. in the sense saying, Hey, I don't, we don't know what to do right now. We're trying, but unless we can move this cash off the, the roster, it's going to be extremely difficult to do anything, including Bull Horvat, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was something that. I think he's been pretty open on contract negotiations with Bo Horvat saying they want to keep him there, they want to keep him long term, but saying we've probably taken our best shot in terms of a contract offer on Bo Horvat, that tells you something. And it tells you the valuation where heading into the season, you could have maybe, you know, speculated on what that number could have been, maybe around six, six and a half million. The season that Bo Horvat's had this year, the play that he's shown, one of the best goal scorers in the league, and the reputation he has along the uh, you know, around the league, uh, the Canucks wouldn't be able to meet that meet that market value. And Rutherford pretty much admitted that today. So that tells you, yeah, the cap crunch that they do have with some of those bloated contracts, it's a tough situation. But now there's the the potential of the captain, and it's looking likely that the captain won't be in Vancouver beyond March.
0: Do you think they do the favor to boost Boudreaux soon?
6: I, I think you have to look at it based on the fact that it's it's everywhere the news is being talked about uh you know Bruce Boudreau's talked. he was asked about it and said I'm gonna gonna be ke- keeping on coming into the office until they tell me to do otherwise and and the louder the noise gets it's a very uncomfortable situation for Boudreau himself but also his assistants and the players uh you know Bo Horvat mentioned yesterday that they're they're playing for the coach they love him as an individual he's a good coach but the reality is, if you look at the point totals that they have this year, they're 12 points out of a wildcard spot. Uh, the results haven't been there. And if they're not likely to improve, Tim, you got to make that move at some point, especially when reports of Rick Tockett are, are really out there. They're not even speculation based on some of the conversations that yeah. you know, Elliot and Jeff have been reporting. It's not a matter of you know if, it's a matter of when. I, I think at some point you have to really make this work, uh, make that move in the short term. Yeah, you mentioned uncomfortable, Tanner Pearson, that's all uncomfortable.
0: Um, the fan base, that's all uncomfortable. But th- there are still some positives in all this nonsense this year. You can look at some of the numbers some of the kids are putting up, and maybe that will help whatever it is, a rebuild or a retool. But I can't have you on the show and not talk about uh, the legacy that is Gino Ojek. And uh, I don't know if people outside Vancouver the lower mainland understand his popularity. Put into context what he meant to the franchise, Randy
6: yeah over 30 years of being a fan favorite and not one of the fan favorites like a top three gino is and will forever be loved in vancouver um you know really sad day yesterday unfortunately the news came out while we were on air calling the game uh but this is an individual that just fearless but also stood up for his teammates anybody that played on that era of the vancouver canucks and you're hearing the interviews with you know tim hunter and cliff ronning Uh, go through the list. Uh, I know Pablo Bray made comments a couple of months ago about their friendship. Just a a, a lovable individual, but, you know, obviously a very scary player in his day. You can't play that role on a team and not have that intimidation factor, but on the ice, off the ice, just a, a really nice guy. And even from my experience, I grew up in Vancouver. 1994 for me was the year that I really got involved in hockey. That Stanley Cup run for the Canucks was really what gripped me and you know gino was a big part of that and a lot of my family and relatives who were not even hockey fans at that point they knew who gino was and you know fast forward 30 years later you see him at the rink just a a lovable character somebody that would always say hello and somebody that would always check in and a mentor to uh, a number of people in the indigenous community as well ethan bear was talking about that so he was much more than a you know a depth player on a team he was in my opinion one of the most popular canucks that that ever played at Rogers Arena Pacific Coliseum and just an individual that this market loved and will forever love.
0: Yeah, oftentimes when people talk to me about needing fighting out of the game, I I say, do you understand what the enforcers represent to a lot of hockey players. And there's so much respect for the guys who would not let their teammates be taken advantage of. And that clip that we just showed shows Ojik chasing St. Louis Blues all over the ice. And the reason why was someone dug at the goalie and they were taking liberties. And that's why he was so loved by his teammates. And that same respect, whether it be First Nations communities, whether it be uh, him running into people in the lower mainland, like that was Gino Ojik. On the ice, off the ice, no matter what, he was beloved because it was that character, right? That that character within him.
6: Absolutely. And there was, uh, you know, Ethan Baer mentioned this, that he would send him texts up until recently, essentially checking in and seeing how he was doing. Yeah. Um, and that's, you know, a sense of mentorship that maybe a lot of people didn't see uh, in front of the camera during his playing days, but behind the scenes, he was checking in on younger players being that mentor, similar to Ron DeLorme, who was a, a player, of course, uh, before Gino Ogip, uh from the indigenous community. And he would check in on players and he would mentor them. So Gino, not only in uh, a hockey sense, but a business sense, a community sense, uh, a great mentor in the community uh, for, for the community at large. And, you know, one thing that is really important for fans here in, in Vancouver is that over the past nine years, it felt like Canucks fans were able to give him his flowers. In 2013, yeah. He was diagnosed with that terminal disease and there was thoughts that he might only live a couple of weeks or months the last nine years i you know it's a very sad time it's a very sad uh, day and weekend in vancouver and across the country uh, but one thing i think people can look back and say is like at least he was able to feel the love from canucks fans over the last nine years because i, I feel like there was a real outpouring support uh, across the country but especially in BC
0: yeah without a doubt there is uh there was an ability to say thank you to Gino and you saw it in Ethan Bear who ends up scoring a goal he said it felt like it was meant to be he was told after the game uh, got a little bit um, got a little bit emotional and uh, maybe we know why Ethan got that goal yesterday There was a little subtle tip of the cap to Gino right, thanks for doing this always appreciate you dropping by and, and maybe once in a while this can be positive it could be yeah, it very yeah.
6: well could be we can talk about good things together. yeah
0: that's, let's do that next time uh, there is Randy Bichanda thank you very much brother thank you uh, you can check him out Sportsnet 650 and of course Hockey Night in Punjabi alright time for a break other side Donovan Bennett will jump in studio rest of the show we'll also be joined by the NFL Network's Adam Rank man was that a weekend Plays of the Week Busy Monday continues Tim and Friends please don't change the channel it's our livelihood we actually get paid to do this stuff Allow me to reintroduce one of the OGs, not the original friend of the show, now doing big things. Let me go, host, writer, producer, uh, new podcast, going deep with Donovan Bennett. It is Donovan Bennett. Yes, sir. Hola, That's amigo.
1: I wanted the rest Almost of nice. the, the, uh, the lyric.
0: My name is Hove. Yeah. H to the O V. Yeah. yeah no. I didn't know there's no snowflakes. Okay. I'll just say that. Good. Great, yeah. great, great, <laughs> great song, great record. Right. Does anyone call you Don? <laughs> it just doesn't seem to roll the same way. I'm, I'm I mean, sh- you, you you have been a Don. I've seen you. I'm sure
1: a, a Karen or two called me Don at some point. <laughs> Hi, Don. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, More Don Dada than Don.
1: <laughs> no, I don't get that. No. <laughs> okay. I call me and that's my right. wife Don and Kath. Yeah. Uh, no, no one calls me Don.
0: Nobody calls me Don. Donovan. Not yet. I will keep it Don. That's fifty plus. DJ, Donovan. No, no, Don. No,
1: Don. No, Hold the Don. What do
0: you got going on these days?
1: Uh, tonight, actually, uh, after this, I'm blessed to be voicing the tease for our Monday hockey coverage. It is oh, nice. obviously MLK Day. Yep. So hopefully the words uh, meet the measure of the man that is Dr. King. But uh, the, the whole hockey group in USAMA specifically did a great job uh, with that piece. So keep watching this network, people.
0: So uh, Rogers Monday Night Hockey, which comes up basically immediately following us, you'll have a piece on there. You've got going. What did you have on going deep today?
1: Uh, I had Cabral Richards. Uh-huh. Uh, we talked all things Wild Card Weekend, nice. including your favorite playoff ridiculous post game interviews, like. Can't wait.
3: Right. right? Remember by Bart Scott? Scott? Yeah, yeah, that was great. Or good. don't
1: you ever try me Well, the sorry receiver like crap? Jeez. <laughs> yes, Richard Sherman. So, yeah. so yeah. So the, the playoffs evoke great emotion, they not do. just by fans or betters, shout out to the SN Bet's crew. Yeah. Condolences to their San Diego Superchargers. Yeah. But uh, but the players as well. All
0: right. Uh, by the way, I hear t- are you talking to Nathan Work too? Uh, tomorrow? Efforting, trying. Trying. Yeah. Tomorrow, yeah, yeah. Maybe uh tomorrow maybe yes right. that's the hope uh, speaking of uh of originals speaking of og would you like to do some plays of the week oh, with uncle timmy yeah. i would love to it is a monday what so let's saunter about? up to the big board jesse rubinoff donovan bennett myself timothy McCallif. these are the plays of the week and us three like pretty damn good looking like i don't know if we're ryan reynolds henrik lundquist Alex Sarsgård, kind of oh, good looking. We but, know we're not. Yeah, Donovan qualifies the way he's dressed today. Uh, is this the best bobblehead of all time? <laughs> oh, maybe second best bobblehead. That's, That's why he wore it. Of all time, you know what I'm talking out. about. Oh, okay. And Jesse, we're not leaving you out, my friend. Uh, this is Jesse Rubinoff's bobble bobblehead coming up here, right? or maybe it's just James
1: Neal. <laughs> I'll take that. <laughs> I'll <laughs> take James <laughs> you Neal guys
0: all day long. Look like
1: Love it, Donovan. Thank what's what's that? you. Huh?
0: Thank you. What's that? Does he look like him?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah first job, John So kind. Yeah. Get some of that. This was disgusting.
0: Best in-game dunker of all time, or no, Vince Carter? stop it. Okay. Stop
1: it right okay. now. It's okay. pretty far back. Oh, and also, like, can we give some love to Blake Griffin as well? Like,
0: oh, yeah. like how we forget. Yeah, mm-hmm. Kawhi Leonard uh, might be getting a little older, but still got it. That's it. a good so, point you made. What, Blake Griffin? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Vince Carter, yeah. Blake Griffin, yeah. then Jaw me- Jaw ja, top three. Dawkins, come on now. Speaking ah. of Smith, spin- oh, nice. A little Chocolate Thunder. This guy's yeah, pretty good, right. too. So Jaw's not even wrong. close? No, Speaking he's of- there,
1: but, like, basketball didn't happen yesterday. Like, let's I like put some the, respect yeah. on some you, people's
0: You, you don't, like don't want the recency bias. That's what you're, I yeah, I understood. certainly do. Uh, is this guy any good? Will you give him some credit? He's the best <laughs> game player ever. He's a cheat code. <laughs> He's a cheat code,
1: yes. Yeah, best <laughs> in game player ever. <laughs> uh,
0: our producer Neil Matias said he didn't think that the swinging bunt that got this Matthews goal was as good as the goal, so he didn't put it in there. Agree or disagree? Classic
1: He's Neil. Dead wrong.
0: It he dead good. wrong? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that the <laughs> hit was really strong, good. Got yeah. it going on. Okay. You're understood. dead wrong. How about Matt Murray with the glove? Give me that. Lost again. No uh mark edward vlasic jack is jack good time campbell warming jesse yeah this is, is jack campbell warming
2: this, this is your call we're gonna have to keep tabs on jack campbell uh speaking of hot daniel Sprung, sprung Kraken of one eight straight the i'm Kraken.
1: Sprung.
2: this is sneaking your team too you called them early on. how many teams you got
0: Uh,
1: You got a whole division,
2: it sounds like. I
0: don't have the Slovakian under 18 girls team. Not yet. But Nella Lupa Savana is getting me there. Supernova, excuse me. Uh, Finishing off the tournament between the legs. She's 14 years old. 14 years old! Really? Uh, We truck into football. Jaguars, third biggest comeback in NFL history. Where would you go immediately after if there's no Sizzler in Florida? you would go to the Waffle House. Yes, you mm. would. <laughs> and Trevor Lawrence went to the Waffle House. Pretty legendary move. I feel like that's where you go win or lose. <laughs> <laughs> I would agree with that one. Dawson Knox, one hand. You're awesome. welcome on the props, by the way, this week. Dawson Knox, touchdown, anytime. Yep. time? Yeah. Oh. Uh, Snoop go, uh, tries oh, to go yeah. over the top, loses it. Sam Hubbard, 98 yards. Was this a block in the back? Yes, it was. <laughs> would you have called the? Would you have thrown the flag if you were on the field? Yes. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. All right. It was a, a <laughs> it was a dumb decision. <laughs> it was amazing.
1: Banging Nancy. over here.
2: Yeah. No. 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 Nah, would have thrown it?
0: No, I would have got wrapped up in the moment. Are you finding it hard to keep up with the <laughs> Carlos Correa drama in baseball? Where's he now? We have got you covered, courtesy of this meme. What the hell is doing? we and out of town! We're, we're Scott Borden? Yeah, Scott Borden's right, gotta be there. Right now, the Without a doubt. Yeah, He's somewhere good. counting he's, his money. He's under the, the mat with the chair. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: That's, that's, a chair. So he's official team. official of Minnesota,
1: right? We don't have to I, worry about that one?
0: We hope so. <laughs> uh, Donovan, will you stick around?
1: Uh, you asked me on national TV, so yeah. Well, Jesse,
0: will you stick around? Yeah, I'll be, I'll be here. All right. I'm gonna stick around, so we hope you stick around as well. I'm asking you on national TV as well. The viewer, the friend, Tim and friends. Coming up, one of our favorites, Adam Rank, will join us as we discuss what was a super wild card weekend in the National Football League. And we'll look ahead to tonight. Bucks Cowboys. Is Brady done? Oh, definitely Stephen
1: Rank. You should have told him.
5: And off we go with the NFL playoffs. He's in trouble, but keeps it alive and finds
6: Mitchell. Improvisation leads to a touchdown. Brock Purdy's
3: feeling it again. And their roll continues. An 11th consecutive win. Lawrence throws. And again, it's intercepted. Four picks. Our season's come down to this. This last 30 minutes. We just got to settle down. Lawrence fires. The end zone. caught. Touchdown. Christian Kirk.
6: They're going for two. They're playing for the win on the field goal. And Lawrence reaches over and scores. Gigantic play here. They run the ball at ETN, tries to get the corner. He does. What a play call. 36-yarder from the right hash to win the game. The field goal
5: is good. 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 They have come back from 27-0 to win the game. Beasley does. And in for the touchdown. And the Bills regain the lead on well, first and ten to the end zone.
6: Oh, it's Gabe Davis! Buffalo is still here.
5: And their best football might even be
6: ahead of them. Barkley, what an effort! And he is in! Touchdown, New York! And the Giants back up by seven. Fourth and eight, game on the line. Cousins, Hawkinson, he is not gonna get there! I think you could say. Big Blue is back. Looks right
0: around. He reaches. Oh, that falls out. That's live. Back the other way. Sam Hubbard. The Cincinnati kid.
1: He will score. Season on the line. Fourth and 20. Puts it up for grabs. And it is. deflected and just almost. He couldn't
0: bring it in. One more to go, boys and bucks. Rubinoff's over there. Bennett is there. I am Tim McAuliffe. And before the weekend started, I was making fun of Super Wild Card Weekend. Mm -hmm. Shut your mouth, McAuliffe, because it was pretty damn good. Adam Rank of the NFL Network joins us now. Uh, That was pretty super, Rank.
4: Yeah, how dare you try to besmirch our marketing? (laughs) It's super because there's two extra games. Like we wedged in two teams that probably should be into the playoffs. But you know what? We call it super now, and you will sit there and you'll enjoy it, Tim. <laughs> All
0: right, I will. Uh, not super. Chargers, Vikings. Which one was more disappointing for Adam Rank to sit
4: there and watch? I, you know what? I'm most disappointed in the Minnesota Vikings because I, I, for whatever reason, I decided to pick them this weekend. The only game that I got wrong, and honestly, that comes down to me. Like if I if I put my four year old behind the wheel of an automobile. <laughs> And he drives us into a tree. Who am I really mad at the boy or am I mad at me? I'm the one who made the decision. So that's on me. And this whole thing, Kirk cousins, please stop, stop with Kirk cousins. Like trying to make him a thing. He's the Michelob ultra of NFL quarterbacks. He's fine in a pinch. Like, listen, if I'm playing 18 holes and I don't want to be drinking IPAs out on the course, that's fine but when it comes to serious business yeah, yeah he's he's he, he can't do it it's it's done
0: i thought that was just american beer period. right yes yeah, yeah, uh, how beer. dare you yeah Listen. no not how dare you we're canadians and we drink real beer
4: there's a microbrewery i can see i can't see it but it's I, I can see the direction it's right over there and they yeah. make a lovely a lovely IPA. I, I was I was in
0: Cancun once on March break when I was in high school and there was a bunch of guys from New Jersey drinking their six cores light and acting like they were out of control after their six cores lights. I didn't even drink back then, and I was shaking my head. So don't <laughs> don't bring up beer on a Canadian
1: network. Fair enough. Or, All right, American loggers, <laughs> fine. American
4: domestic mass-produced loggers. <laughs> That's Kirk Cousins. Yes. Uh,
1: we'll, we'll, we'll send you some cases. We'll take yeah, care Yeah, we'll of take care. Please. It. Yeah. It, well, I'm surprised you went Vikings because the Vikings were the TCU of the NFL. They found a way to win these close games that yeah. they shouldn't win. The Chargers, Charger, like they did what yeah, they, they do. Just, Staley did what he did. They were driving me to drink, and I don't even really drink. (laughs) Talk to me about the second half where they have more pass attempts than rush attempts, even though they're up multiple scores. Austin Eckler only touches the ball six times. They leave an average of nine uh, nine seconds on the play clock before snapping plays. I thought Staley was supposed to be the smart guy. What is going on in San Diego?
4: No, this guy somehow was the defensive coordinator when Aaron Donald was playing and then everybody said he was a defensive genius. Like, listen, anybody could have been defensive coordinator with Aaron Donald and gone out there and done pretty well. But the chargers, listen, they're basically a fast and furious movie. And it, you, you, you see the plot, you know where it's going to go. You know how it's going to end every time. Now, every once in a while, they'll try to mix it up with a little Tokyo drift, but it's still the same (laughs) nonsense that you see. And that's the whole thing. Like I love Austin Eckler. Austin Eckler, great guy, great person, and I love him. Fantasy purposes, unbelievable. But at some point, you got to be able to pound the rock in the playoffs. And they do have guys on that roster. Josh Kelly can pound the rock, Sony Michelle. Like they do, they need to go out there and get somebody, and they got to go a little thunder and lightning and be a little bit smarter when you're up 27. Instead, you got this hipster who looks like he should be hanging out on Seal Beach out there drinking American Draft Loggers. <laughs> <laughs> hanging out, looking at the break. Oh yeah, dude, I can't go out there. It's, it's too far overhead or whatever it is. You should not be coaching football. You know what? The good news is he's probably not going to be for much longer. Sean Payton. That's what we're all thinking. Just make it happen already. I just get to the part where it's Sean Payton coaching that team and see what he can do. It would be a nice little story where drew Brees leaves the chargers goes to Sean Payton, wins a super bowl. Now Sean Payton could go to the chargers. Hang out with Justin Herbert and go get them to a Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, like Sean Payton, that's an anchor steam, right? Like, that's a good beer, right? Uh, that's a good beer, yeah. yeah.
4: Sierra Nevada, like, you got it. You yeah, know what's I, hip. I, yeah, I, got I, I
0: got you. Uh, we won't we'll bring up any Moscow mules over here, okay? Well,
1: I mean, oh, I, I, I'm just thinking, let's hold on, because Mike McCarthy might say, hold my beer today oh, yeah, yeah. And, and give you yeah. an opportunity for another Sean Payton destination.
4: Oh no. Cause listen, this is, we've already doomed the poor Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Like everybody, like I look around the landscape. I thought I was going to be out on an Island picking Tampa Bay, but no, everybody's on the yeah. Buccaneers. Nobody's picking. Stephen A. Smith was out doing his thing in a Tom <laughs> Brady jersey. I'm like, it's over now. Yeah, The Cowboys are going to go. I, it's hard to tell because the, don't put the lineup. That's just the thing to incentivize people to make wagers. I think that once people give up, we said this before, I'm stealing your bit from before. This is, Hey, this is a, uh, I'm like listening to the riffs you guys are playing. And I'm like, Hey, I'm going to go play them on stage. Now, nobody heard you guys earlier talking about like when the Cowboys are not expected to win is when they rise up. So I don't know. I think that um, what it really comes down to is Kellen Moore. That team has become way too predictable. They are, you know, when Michael Urban was out there saying like, Hey, we've been running the same routes for the last 30 years. You're like, bro, that's not the, that's not the own that you think it is. Maybe <laughs> mix it up a little bit. But uh, I'm curious to see what happens. And I still think Tampa Bay is going to win. So perhaps, yeah, Sean Payton sitting there waiting for the bidding war to start because a lot of people have thought about him. But I don't know. I think San Diego, no disrespect to everybody who lives in Dallas, but San, San Diego, Los Angeles isn't bad. I, uh, I, we were talking
0: in a commercial break What he's talking about the riffs is whenever I feel like I know what the Dallas Cowboys are going to do, they do the complete opposite. I had them in the final week of the season to run rough shot over the Washington Commanders because I thought that that Eagles game would be close. Lo and behold, they lose. Like they can't even put up a touchdown against Washington and it blows my mind. So everyone, like you said, are thinking, all right, the Bucs are going to run over them. And that's when I start to begin to like the boys. I will tell you this, and we're about 90 seconds left in this segment. Uh, and we'll have plenty of time to wax poetic on what the Bills and the Bengals will be. I know this: if the Bills don't play better than they played this weekend, they're losing yeah. to Joe Burrow in the back.
4: Hundred percent. Yeah, right. but the 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 Cincinnati Bengals have a number of injuries on the offensive line, which I think will give the Buffalo Bills a little bit of an advantage right there. But yeah, I was not really impressed with the way that they handled their business. I mean, both teams were playing backup quarterbacks and still struggling. But this is what happens when you play division rivals is there is a lot of familiarity. There's a reason why these games are close. These guys play a lot, and they've split – these two teams split. The Bengals and the Ravens, obviously very familiar. And watch out for next week, because when you have the Eagles playing host to the New York Giants, that game's going to be a lot closer than a lot of people are going to give it credit for. The only one that really looks like could be a blowout, I think San Francisco destroys whoever goes up to face them. Although, we'll get gaslit for a week being like, oh – This team can, Tom Brady, could he knock him off? Like, are the Dallas Cowboys, their last road playoff win before tonight, if it happens, would have been in San Francisco. But I'll tell you tonight, can I give you the quick what's going to happen tonight? Yeah. I guarantee it. The Cowboys will be up 20 to 10 with five minutes to go. Tom Brady will rally them, and yet somehow it'll be Dak Prescott's fault. And (laughs) we'll have to hear about that for a while.
0: (laughs) I love it. absolutely love it. By the way, send at Tim and Friends right now what do we put in the care package of canadian Ooh. beers yes. that goes to adam like Rank? because we're going to send it what no goes way. in it
4: i'm excited oh man yeah bring your best
0: oh make it good there will be a lot of suggestions uh i got a few myself but we'll save that for another day rank thanks for this as always
4: thank you so much thanks for having me and uh if i don't want to tell people to turn off your channel tonight but you know I'll be on the NFL Network's post-game coverage. If you want, it, yeah, if you want to hang it. out, record it. If yeah. Record it, watch yeah. it later. Yeah, uh, It'll be fun. We'll have a good time. If LT's going to be on. It'll it be fun.
0: LT, Ladanian Tomlinson. Ladanian, Tomlinson. Awesome. Uh, let me tell you this. If you want options... NFL Network is one of your options with Adam Rank tonight. Thank you. Uh, fake, just
4: record it. Just record it. <laughs> there is Watch Adam Rank,
0: NFL Network. You can see him tonight uh, with more of some of the deepest cut references that you will see on network so television, good. which I absolutely love. Uh, Donovan is sticking around, matching him on national television. So is Jesse. We'll finish up next.
1: we still sending him beer? He's trying to steal our viewers.
0: McAuliffe Rubinoff and Bennett are Monday. Tip of the cap goes to Caitlin Kramer of the uh, Canadian women's U hockey team that captured gold on Sunday at the World Championships in Sweden. Sweden, excuse me. Four goals in Canada's 10-0 win over the host Swedes in the gold medal game. The 16-year-old from Waterloo scored a hat trick in the first six minutes, 44 <laughs> seconds, breaking the record for the fastest hat trick in tournament history. She also set a new record with 10 goals in the tournament. Alright, here's what's on tap on the network tonight. Rogers Monday Night Hockey gets going with a wonderful opening from one Donovan Bennett. Hockey Central 730 Eastern, 430 Pacific on Sportsnet. Then it sends blues across the country, flames and creds also nationally as well. So you got your choice while on Sportsnet 360 it is Monday Night. Whoa. What
1: time is it?
0: say WWE things in that voice in that voice officially do you Uh, you like order food in that voice every once in a while just to freak people out (laughs) Flames wrapping up a five game road trip in Nashville tonight they've earned at least a point in all four games on the trip 17 of their last 21 games and dating back to December 3rd they have the second most points in the Western Conference for more on tonight's game Ryan Leslie who is standing by live at Bridgestone Arena
5: what's the latest Ryan you know, brother. Um, I'll tell you what's going on. You've got a, a pretty important hockey game for both clubs because for the Calgary perspective, you look at the fact that they skate out of here with a win tonight and all of a sudden they're talking about when well, you mentioned some of the, uh, the points that they've been accumulating, but to get eight of a possible 10 on this, you know, five game road trip is absolutely huge for this group. It's a team that has really turned a corner, but I want to turn the corner and go all the way back to April 26th of 2022 if I could, because that is the last time these two teams met. And Why was that significant? They thought there was a chance they may face each other in the playoffs. The Calgary Flames wanted to send a message. The season, the regular season was just about over. It was a physical contest. It had everything you wanted in a regular season hockey game that was more like a playoff battle and that had fights. It had some last second. .01, Matthew Kachuk would score to tie it up. Overtime drama. You'd see Elias Lindholm score in the extra frame. And we mentioned the fights, the physicality, that feel of what that did. And again, these are two teams. They would not meet in the playoffs, as we know. But these are two teams here that, uh, you know, for the Preds, they've lost uh, three straight. They're looking to get on track. And you wonder if they're going to come back into a playoff conversation. But for Calgary... They finished strong. Their offense has improved. Uh, their special teams. The PK has been rolling. They're scoring first which is translating into wins so no lineup changes save for one. Jacob Markstrom will get the nod between the pipes and uh, Juicy Sarrell said uh, the other end for the Predators. Gentlemen.
0: Yeah when he's good they're good and that makes me want to watch. Thank you very much. So Leslie. But suits good. He's yeah. looking good. Ryan Wesley yeah. in Nashville. you got to look at it. He's in Nashville. Monochromatic
1: pocket square. All <laughs> of, oh, look like a that. half Windsor. Look at Spread that. Spread collar. Okay, I see you.
0: All right, Jesse, close us out.
1: Makes sense
2: that you would know. You'd be able to list off all those half foot Well-dressed man. Okay, Brady Kichak is back in his hometown as the Sens visit the Blues tonight. Sends forward Tim Stutzla. Celebrated his 21st birthday yesterday. He's the franchise's all-time leader in points at age 20 or younger with 126 points in his first 170
0: games. How impressed have you been with the former third overall pick, Timmy? Let me put it to you this way. Okay, so we understand he leads that franchise with points under 20 years old, but he came into the league as a 19-year-old. Vladimir Tarasenko, good player. Mm -hmm. Other side, tonight, came into the league as a 21-year-old. If you look at the side-by-side numbers of their first uh, two seasons in the league, 170 games, look at the numbers. They're like the same. And Tarasenko was a 21-year-old rookie. Stutzla was a 19-year-old rookie. The kid's good. And this team could get better with Josh Norris on the back. And now he can drink on the road. So everybody's (laughs) happy. Including Stutzla, (laughs) who can now drink on the road. Uh, Seems like we're always tight on time when you pop by. Thanks for doing this. I'm long-winded. Appreciate you having me. Uh, Not today, though. (laughs) Usually <laughs> short one. Jesse always appreciates it. It's our fault. We talk too much. Yeah, it. we it's did cool. off the top, and we had a shorter show because yeah. of the hockey game. So it's their fault. Yeah,
2: spread the blame. <laughs>
4: we'll
6: have more time tomorrow. We'll talk to you again, man. Thanks for watching.